What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast for MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert reviews, and so much more. And joining me, as always, is Mr. Daniel Terry. How are you doing this early afternoon? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. I just took a nice long nap, so I'm everyone's best friend for the next hour. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm a pleasant uh... waker. Yeah, I guess. I have been lost in the world of periphery for the last uh, two and a half hours, uh, which is why you took a nap, because we were supposed to do this earlier. But uh, let me tell you, what a fucking rabbit hole that was uh, in preparation for an eventual chat with uh, someone from that band. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you've uh, done some homework, that's for sure. Well, the funny thing is, I don't know if it's like a rabbit hole. Sometimes in doing these interviews, and it kind of correlates to actually the guest, uh, which is uh, Danny and Lance from the band From Ashes to New. Um, sometimes when doing these these dives that I do for, for these interviews, I try to do like a two to three day deep dive on, on the band. And then so that way it's all super fresh, but I'm not worn out either, um, which I think is a, a very hard balance to find sometimes, especially when I do something like this, where I go from one interview, like I did with from ashes to new, and then go to another one, which was with, uh, with Patrick from ice nine kills. Um, but with that being said, the interesting thing in the correlation is actually, sometimes I wonder if I find parallels that aren't actually there because I'm taking in so much information all at once. And I feel like you are probably the only other person who would understand that doing that with discography discussion, where maybe you're seeing parallels or you're finding them because you're having the opportunity and the luxury of cramming in a band's entire career into a span of a couple of days. Yeah, I totally get it because it's really scary too, especially since like, the benefit on discography discussion is I don't have to talk about it with the artist <laughs> um, um, immediately after I do the, you know, immediately after I do the episode. Uh, but like sometimes I wonder, like, are we just like striking out in the dark? Some of the theories and ideas we come up with for what some of these albums are about and, you know, how we think they fit into the band's history or the history of the individual members. And we have had members of bands come on the show after the fact and correct us on what was actually going on. But I don't think it's all for naught. Um, I've noticed a lot of the time with you, John, and even with us over on Discography Discussion that a lot of times they're like, wow, yeah, I can't believe you figured that out. <laughs> or or that you spent, you know, that that nerd amount of time, you know, to actually listen to it and, and figure it out and conjecture and go with your conjecture and all that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, every now and again we're super wrong and that is kind of embarrassing, but... Uh, for the most part, I think uh, being a music nerd is uh, it's just a time sink. And if you put enough time into it, you can start kind of figuring out what's going on. Um, and with a band like Periphery, that's tough because they got a lot of records. And, um, well, they're weird. <laughs> yeah, that was at least the nice thing about From Ashes to New is, you know, they only have two records. Uh, but, you know... The other thing is, too, is the wrinkle that they've thrown in is that, you know, they have new members in the band. They've kind of incorporated a lot of different styles from the get-go. So 
while it may not be as cut and dry as like, and I'm not saying periphery is cut and dry by any stretch, uh, but you know, it, it's, it, it, it is what it is and you know what you're, you're getting into. And it's just a matter of wrapping your head around odd timing signatures and just finding little nuances sprinkled within. Uh, but from masters to new, we'll take you on a completely different journey because you might be, you know, having a nice, like kind of heavier riff going on. And then all of a sudden it kind of breaks into this like EDM rap pop kind of song. And you're like, what the fuck? And it, it works, you know, thanks to, you know, decades long of uh, listening to bands, you know, like Papa Roach or Linkin Park, which is a band we've referenced a couple of times. And it's uh, it's funny because I know we've said this quite a bit on this show when talking about new metal or new metal bands and so forth is new metal was an interesting time period in the fact that it it was an umbrella of music. However, it stretched so far. You would have a band like Static X that, you know, took it more in the industrial leanings. You'd have a band, you know, like Il Nino that might go more Latin-based with it. You might have a band like, you know, all these different people who were taking it in different directions or adding different – their own element to it, but it was still technically quote-unquote new metal. And I think that was the fun thing about it is you could like something and, and it would encompass so much different music. And I think, you know, a band like From Ashes to New is really running with that concept that and that idea that we're not really seeing from a lot of bands who are like, we're a rock band and this is what. Yeah, like Buck Cherry. <laughs> um, you know, but it's all different approaches. And I agree, like a band like From Ashes to New, it's interesting how he talks about. You know, people are always like, oh, yeah, you guys sound like Linkin Park. He's like, and instead of us being like, no, we have our own da 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 they're just like, yeah, that's cool, man. You know, like in one of those, like, uh, you know, they're a band that we like. I mean, we're we're different people and have different songs and different influences. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool if you think that we that we are like a band that meant a lot to you. You know, and, but like that's and that but that's not some kind of like side that that's not like some kind of side slight or or anything like that. It was kind of refreshing to hear him say that because it was like, yeah, like the first time I heard this band immediately, I was like, oh, it's kind of like a Linkin Park. But the more I would listen to it, the more I'm kind of like, no, this is kind of more of a modernization of that sound. And I, I have always felt that way about new metal that like a lot of the new metal bands, that's the way I've always felt about a lot of the new metal bands is that they are vastly different from one another. I mean, I'm always singing the same song of how like Limp Bizkit doesn't sound like System of a Down. Neither of those bands sound like Corn. Neither none of those bands really sound like Stained. None of them really sound like Cold Chamber. You know, and so on and on and on and on. I feel like new metal was one of the most diverse genres out there, if you could even call it a genre. Because yeah, sure. I mean, you can you can pin it down to down tune guitars, uh, seven string guitars, R and B influences, electronica influences. But then there's like so much more to that in new metal where there's hard rock influences and alternative rock influences and new wave influences. And I mean, you, you just, it's hard to take it, you know, you don't really have that in a genre like thrash metal. Like you, you can understand how Slayer sounds kind of like Megadeth. You could see how they got that. You could see how they got there, you know. You know, Slayer's just a heavier version of Exodus and Megadeth and Testament and so on and so forth. It's easy to make those connections. But with new metal, you really can't. And um, I think he's right that, you know, for as much as people hated rap rock and stuff back in the day, there really weren't a whole lot of new metal bands that were really doing that other than like Limp Bizkit, uh, P.O.D. And, you know, Korn dabbled with it a little bit, but it wasn't part of their main sound. It was kind of funny when he said that. I was just kind of like my ears perked up and I wanted to be like, no, you're wrong. And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, 
no, I guess you're you are kind of right in that sentiment. Yeah. Well, I do think in new metal there were a lot of guys that thought that they were rapping, but it was so far removed from like actual R and B influenced rap that maybe we just didn't hear it. Right. I am interested to see what the the their fans' reaction will, will be to that, or the internet's reaction as a whole will be to that, because I could see that just being something that gets ran with uh, online and so forth. And you know what? I for one on on a lot of those, I would really love to see the comments on that and just kind of see where it goes, because that's a uh, that's one where I would definitely bring my popcorn to the comment section and be like, all right, what do you, what do you all think? Yeah, it's so weird now in 2019 that anytime anybody wants to talk about new metal, there's always this like portion of the old guard that comes forward and just you know immediately starts to trash it like you know this isn't cool anymore right you know it's like <laughs> but something i've always said uh especially with like some of the spacier new metal bands that had the cleaner vocals like the second wave of new metal or whatever um bands like you know well like with like later deftones and um with like uh even il nino and even static x kind of went into this a little bit where they kind of got really clean sounding and i always felt like that type of music always sounds modern like when you listen to it even if it's a record that came like came out 15 20 years ago it still sounds more new than a lot of the quote-unquote throwback rock bands that are more popular today um, and even metal went through that with metalcore, where you had like bands like Azalea Dying that sounded very new. You had bands like Trivium that went more for like, how do we make this sound like the old metal sound? And a lot of bands ran with that. Like Killswitch was always like on the fence. Like, do we want to go old school metal sounding or do we want to be like super modern? Um, and they always rode the line. But uh, with with new metal bands, it was always trying to sound new and sound fresh, which is why I kind of feel like that was always part of the approach with new metal that like freshness is part of the sound right it was kind of weird because it, it is very much i think what kept a lot of bands and put a lot of bands on and kept them in the forefront of the music scene but it was also sadly what caused a lot of bands to go away because if you couldn't keep up with whatever the new trend was or, or come up with something that was a pioneering kind of sound you got left behind for someone who was absolutely and it was like a really small window God, was it? I just saw Crossbreeds coming back, and I fucking, for one, loved that first record. And they're playing a one-off reunion show in Cleveland, I guess, and I'm kind of tempted to go. I do like this whole idea of like these older bands coming back and being like, well, let's just test the waters. <laughs> let's, see, let's see if anybody actually cares or if people hate us as much as they say they do. You know, um, And it's kind of like what you were saying during the interview, John, about how like you know, people must not hate nickelback that much they must not hate five finger death punch that much i mean i know you have would probably never be caught dead at either of their concerts but i will tell you as someone who has seen both those bands uh thousands and thousands of people go see that those bands uh consistently actually I take it back i've never seen nickelback yet um but that being said it is i mean again if the band if the band is as bad as everyone says they are they wouldn't necessarily be on radio, and I know people are probably out there going like, oh, fucking people pay to put them on the radio. But well, you know what? I'm sorry, but the bots aren't buying up all the tickets for fucking their shows, so thousands of people are either full of shit, or people just need to be fucking honest and be like, yo, I don't mind this, and I enjoy it, and I'm going to go support it. Yeah, and most of the people that are general music fans aren't the assholes that are commenting on every Loudwire Facebook post that comes out or blabbermouth headline or, or whatever, you know, they, they're not representative of music as a whole. 
there's so much there's so much more silent majority that goes on with ticket sales and and going to concerts like you know you gotta you know because like i work outside i work with a lot of like hard labor types of people and i can tell you that they just turn the radio on and listen to whatever's on the radio and if they like a song that's on the radio they don't care if it's nickelback or if it's stained or whatever it's just the kind of music they like so whenever they find out that one of those bands is coming to town they go see them and drink some beers and relax and have a good time it's not really about the whole like defining of the genre a lot of these guys don't even know what the word genre is they're just like yeah they're just like hey man uh, I, I liked the song. I thought it was pretty kick-ass. I noticed that this band has three really kick-ass songs that I like. So when they come to town, I'm gonna, you know, take a break from this hard work I'm doing and have fun. Speaking of sitting back, having a beer, and having some fun, it's pretty much what I did with the guys from From Ashes to New. I uh, was able to get on the uh, bandwagon and do a chat with Danny and Lance. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Danny and Lance of From Ashes to New, and we will talk to you in the outro. <laughs> But anyway, I uh, have Danny and Lance on with me right now. Uh, we are in the midst of getting ready for you guys to play a sold-out show here in Grand Rapids at the Elevation. I felt really bad breaking the bubble for Patrick uh, from Ice Nine that he didn't sell out the main, the big room. Because he went on Twitter and was like, sold out the big room here in GR. And I was like, holy shit, you guys moved the show and it already sold out. Like, that's incredible. And he goes, oh, I thought Elevation was the big room. <laughs> <laughs> that room's actually just as nice, though. It's actually I've nicer. never been down there. I've only been to the big it, ones. It's only been the there same, for about... Uh, about eight months, I think. It's not even a full uh, year old okay. yet. I never, that's why I never knew about it. <laughs> I noticed, I noticed that the setup is almost like, just like an arena, but tiny. Yeah, someone put a, put a really good comment. They said it was sort of had like a very metropolitan, like Chicago, Detroit kind of vibe for venues. Um, I guess I would agree with that. Um, but you guys' new re- newest record, The Future, uh, has been out now for almost a year. The past. So now, yeah, yes, yes, I win. <laughs> So now it's the past. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that could be your follow-up EP. <laughs> We're going back. Terrible jokes. It would just be a re-release of the same thing. It's like, well, this future is now the past. Well, you know, it is kind of funny because, I mean, a lot of bands are doing that thing now, which is, you know, in the early 2000s when I was coming into, you know, popular music, a lot of bands would start, like, the U's were really great at putting, like, a holdover EP or something, new material, whatever, to kind of hold fans over so it wouldn't yeah i'm kind of starting to notice that but anyway i was going to say um with the line of changes and shifts and all that kind of stuff uh how has the reception been to that record and welcoming you in at least uh under this new ride it's been pretty good for the most part um there are some people who just don't like things to change and want it to be the same way and that's you know that's entirely up to them oh lance doesn't like me uh but yeah it's been mostly great and I think there are still some people who are reluctant at first and that still uh, folded and were like, okay, this is cool. Um, so it's been really great, and we've done nothing but since we started. As we, you know, Lance obviously has been in the band for a little bit uh, at this point and has been on at least, I believe, a record, if I'm not mistaken, the one prior to this, working right. on it. With, yeah. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the kind of new blood coming in, do you feel like it kind of 
reinvigorates the band at all to kind of almost kind of get a refresh to restart and kind of be able to expand not only what the band was but where it can potentially go now that you have newer members in here even though i know matt is mainly the primary songwriter well little do they know they're gonna get fired after this record <laughs> cycle so that's that's the trend we're gonna keep going you sing or new drummer every every uh your record i'm just enjoying the ride no they're actually they're good enough to stay i'm, I'm very happy there's a it's, a, it's a, it's a good brotherhood bond between us all. It, that did, that wasn't quite the case in the old group. So I mean, there's a lot of personality conflicts. We had to do what was right for us. Me and myself and Matt Brandenberry believed in the project and music enough to stick together and keep it going. And we found the best possible solution to our problem with Matt Madero. <laughs> <laughs> what a what has been coming into the band been like from your perspective, you know? Everything I've been waiting for. Was it a thing where... Because it's, it's, there are a lot of instances, I guess, where new people come into the band, or bands in general, but you don't always see everyone kind of gel. Like, there's this weird, awkward phase, like, where people are kind of getting used to each other in a live setting, maybe in the studio, like, you know, having... Sure. You watch, like, the Hired Guns documentary, and people are like... I didn't want to overstep boundaries. I was there's that well, yeah, I mean, process. If you have enough social ability to start with, and you just understand that this is already something that is built, that already has a process to it. So coming into it, I did try not to step on toes. I voiced my opinion where I could, and and uh, tried to help where I could, and let the other guys kind of make the make the big decisions, and just try to offer my advice and my thoughts on it. Um, so yeah, we went through that stage uh, with me joining, and then being in the studio, um, we were all basically contributing at that point. We, we gelled fast, so so it worked. And then being on stage, uh, definitely there's a little bit of awkwardness at first. I had never performed with another vocalist on stage, so I had to get a little bit used to that. But but it was it was just a matter of time. We just I think I'm going to actually just fuck off these questions since they were kind of more tailored around Matt initially. Um, so just kind of go off the cuff. So, so forgive uh, forgive the maybe thinking on the fly here. You know, I had seen you guys on that Five Finger Death Punch tour uh, a couple years ago. And it seems like ever since then, like, you know, you guys went from kind of being just a band I saw on, on Bills to then kind of being a, a peripheral band I actually kept seeing on shows I was going to. And it felt like the ascension of the band was, was rather quick, and it's kind of interesting in this day and age because I grew up when new metal was first coming around, and it was a cool thing. Then it went from being a fucking nerdy word that, like, if you were into it or even liked any of those bands, like, this shit like, fucking... Oh, like dad rock. Yeah, well, no. Dad rock would be completely different. Dad rock would be like Creed, uh, right. which is still fine. I like that band, too, from a band's perspective, but... yeah. It's still a thing where it went through this weird transition and then it was kind of like bands like yourselves that kind of were reintroducing the elements of what was new metal and kind of gaining popularity with a completely younger fan base that wasn't even around for it initially. So what has that experience kind of been like to sort of be the prototypical pioneer, like the re pioneers of the resurgence of this, this scene? The cool thing is that I don't think there were enough bands that did it. it then is, or now? Uh, then. Okay. I think, especially with mixing specifically hip-hop and rock and metal, um, you know, they had 
the elements of, of like the kind of feel, but actually having full-fledged hip-hop with full-fledged rap. There's Linkin Park, Limp Bizkit, Papa Roach, Papa Roach, like, not a long list. So like for for us, like we just felt like there weren't there weren't enough bands to represent that part of new metal. So to be considered a pioneer or a re pioneer, I think it's pretty pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just guessing, ditto. You know, with some of the tours that you guys have done with a lot of these, uh, I would almost say legacy acts at this point. What are some of the things that you, as a, as a younger band, uh, take away from some of these experiences? What have you learned from Ivan? Uh, man, he just goes out there and owns it. Uh, connect with the crowd as, as best as you can. He's one of the best front men and is able to just connect with people just just on a, on a whip. You can just riff and just connect with people. So I've learned to uh, up my my game with interacting with people. I've learned from Jason Book that I need a, an elevating platform. <laughs> smoke. They had all the tricks. They had all the tricks. That is one of the things I think that was interesting about seeing that band, and the only time I've ever seen them since actually they played here many, 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 many years ago to like nobody uh, when they were not who they are now. But it's one of those things where reinvesting in a show. It seems like bands are, are kind of realizing that, you know, that's the thing you should do again, is putting it back into the stage show so your fans have something new to experience every time other than just the same 8 to 10 song set. That's something I learned from Avenged Sevenfold. I haven't seen them, but I heard their last stage show was just incredible. Basically, they... And they've said it. They've stated it. And I agree with them 100% that they take as much money as they possibly can and they just throw it into their show. They had a freaking like 50 foot wide 20 feet tall flaming death bat on stage and <laughs> shot fireballs like shit was insane Yeah. and I, I was, when I watched them I was standing a solid two football fields away and I could feel the heat from it. It was ridiculous and now they've got these gigantic like 50 foot screens that, that show images and like show the band on stage and all this stuff like they just I don't think they're ever going to stop raising the bar and if they're not going to stop raising the bar why the hell should anybody else to seeing something like that inspire you guys and kind of get you guys brainstorming about what you can do at the live show really? with the addition of the fact that you don't have any one's foot in any one genre that you can kind of play around with some of this stuff like uh i love going to hip-hop shows but like the thing that's kind of crazy is other than i kanye west was like the coolest fucking show i've ever seen ever like I, I dropped. Say that about Bruno Mars too. I've heard the that. I haven't seen it, world. but like their shows are humongous. But that's things you're seeing people like Post Malone. You're seeing people like Drake, who are a singular entity under themselves in a performing aspect, but they're able to capture the attention of an thousands and thousands of people at once. To where pe I mean, yes, people are on their phones, but they're not taking bathroom breaks. They're not. They're being yeah. engaged for an entire hour and a half set, which you don't see that shit anymore. And to me, it's got to be kind of interesting view to be able to kind of tour around the world and see all these things firsthand and kind of start thinking like all right like some of this shit's kind of getting affordable maybe we can get like a, a decent sized like little led thing we can kind of do some like stage props and so forth like is, are you yeah, seeing that and kind of doing that um this time we have six giant trusses with lights all on them they're spinning and flashing and all this stuff and, 
happening at some point. We're going to try to do giant marquee letters of, you know, from ashes to new FATN. Uh, and then at some point we'll have to do like video screens and light walls and all that stuff. And that's the plan, you know, we do as much as we possibly can. And then someday we'll parachute in from the sky onto the stage. <laughs> It'll be Super Bowl 62. Who's got the uh, tattoo of uh, where you're from on their chest then? He gets it. <laughs> That's an Adam Levine joke. Oh. Yes. oh. <laughs> I figured that was like a running joke that everyone had seen already. No. Yeah, it's Photoshop. I, did, right? I did see it. That's Photoshop, right? No. Do you think all the rest of it is horrible? I mean, I'm one to talk. I have stupid tattoos. Whatever well, tattoo is circulating on Facebook, that's real. The California one on his chest? Or his stomach? That's real. Yeah. Or, no, never mind. I'm there sorry. Was it, was the, it was the Epiphone one. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's fake. That's fake. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, that was fake. Um, you know, kind of speaking to like a Super Bowl opportunity, what are some interesting kind of cross-section kind of things like that, like, you know, where you can maybe get into a completely different set of eyes of people and ears, like something like that. What would, are there opportunities presenting themselves based on the fact that you, you kind of appeal to a wide demographic that are coming out? I think out? so. I don't think there's anything that we can't play because, I mean, I mean, to put it the best way I can, just about everybody grew up on, you know, those bands that you mentioned in Lincoln Park and, you know, they are an influence of ours and we get the comparison of all the time. How so does like, that... Instead of just ignoring it and, like, trying to push ourselves away from it and acting like it's not there and we're just like yep yep we we resemble them we sound like them I mean, we have our own influences we have our own style but you know we're we're, we're just going to stop shying away from the comparison because they had an effect on so many people i think we can play pretty much anything and have a good you know response like we're playing with ice nine kills they're a very very heavy band and their fans like us too and that's really cool. We always give them props every night, all the fans that, that watch our set and that enjoy it. You know, we're from two very different worlds, but, you know, our fans enjoy their music, their fans enjoy our music, and that's what's really cool. You're touching on something else, too. Like, as a fan of music, if you like rock music, don't be a dick. <laughs> the Embrace metal all the genres. Don't yeah. divide us. Like, you look at uh, publications like Loudwire. Mm-hmm. Every time they put up a Facebook post, read the comments 100% hate whatever it is they're talking about. Why? Why? It's funny. Why can't you like more than one thing? I was just listening to uh, Doc Coyle's podcast and something that I've been kind of wrestling with a little bit because I dealt with it today emailing a publicist and basically being told that like because I am a predominantly metal rock thing trying to get and I'll just spill the beans on this because by the time this airs it'll be long past but I try to get black audio. Uh, Jade and Davey's like kind of electronic goth kind of thing and I really love the new record and so I put in to get an interview and the guy was just like uh, you're a predominantly metal hardcore thing I don't think your listenership will appreciate what they do and it's like well that's a very interesting approach like you didn't look at the like I gave you a list of people who are bigger to show that like I can handle being on like having a guest of that level it's not necessarily indicative of what my listenership is and so I kind of got upset like initially at sort of the hate I was kind of being perceived like we're only this and you can only be that and I was thinking about how Doc Coyle was saying that you know there's this hate culture I guess basically where people it's easier to shit on something you know they went and did that tour over in Australia with Nickelback and he goes if the internet was to be believed no one would fucking show up 
but three or four shows we did had tens of thousands of people every fucking night. So, obviously, someone's fucking lying. So, and Nickelback couldn't sell all the records they do if that many people hated them. So, yeah. it's been kind of interesting, and what I was going to actually say, before you answered it, though, is just, you know, is the, the comparisons to Linkin Park tired, or do you kind of, does it get to a point where it then kind of flips itself, where you're kind of like, well, it's almost like a badge of honor, because, like, no one can compare us other than to a very successful band, so if you're comparing me to one of the most successful bands yeah, over the last 20 years... Thank you. Right. Thank you. Cool. I would love to have that career. And on top of that, you can have six billion people hate you, and you still have one and a half billion people that like you. Oh, that's that Facebook reach. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> you mean three people? Yeah. Unless I pay $100 to reach a thousand. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Facebook. Fantastic marketing. But back to your previous yeah. question. Yeah. Um, the goal with the next record, let's just put it this way, we want to play Coachella. Okay. But we also want to play Rock on the Range, Sonic Temple, whatever you want to call them. All these major Danny Winterfest. Yeah. We want to do all the Winterfests, but be able to do something pop culture like or Coachella, where we can go in, kick ass there. People are like, who is this? Maybe I'm into this kind of music. Sick. Bring that over. People are still like, yeah, it's from Ashes to They're awesome. You know, with the, the, the side of, like, and I keep kind of harping on this, but, like, it's I don't get to talk much about hip-hop, because, like, as much as I love it, it's not really a thing most people are into. Like, uh, funny enough, we were here a week or so ago talking to Josh Todd from Buckcherry, and I had my CB4 shirt on, which is an old NWA parody movie. Uh, and he was like, oh, I love the shirt I have. And he unzips his hoodie, and he's like, I got a Death Row shirt on. So it's like, I know the two worlds collide more often than not. With seeing that you guys lean in that realm have you reached out to do any remixes with anybody like in the hip hop world or anything like that like someone like a Post Malone who I know we, loves we, we've tried believe me and what what it's, is I, mean, I would guess it's a financial thing or okay maybe a yeah. label I mean, even thing, if you're friends at, at higher levels there's usually always like money involved so I mean we did we asked to have NF okay feature on the song The Future before we did the record because we, li we listen to yeah exactly we listen to him and Matt Brandyberry's like this guy's gonna be the next big thing we gotta get him now before he blows up so we can afford it you know all that stuff label I guess the label didn't want to do it I don't know maybe management maybe Rob didn't reach out I have no idea what didn't happen right it should have happened and look at him now like you <laughs> there's things beyond our control where people drop the ball I, I hope we can get a feature soon like we really want to do would you even be willing to go the reverse and maybe do something with someone else in that world and kind of do, like a good example would be like when uh, Ice Cube had Corn Dudes come on and record the music for us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Somebody wants to help. Danny said, I don't know what I'm going to do. What you can say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities for, for more, because in the hip hop world, there's a lot of uh, cross, not cross sharing, cross promoting. You know, people working that's together, that. and th exactly that's why that scene is huge. And people are like, "Oh, they're the new rock stars." And it's like because they're willing to build each other up, not look at each other as competition. Like, I, oh, I don't think, uh, yeah. Like those guys. But it seemed like you know, with you guys kind that's of the guy in the crowd last night looking at us. <laughs> the impress me, bro, as Jamie Johnson likes to call him. The what? The impress me, bro. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, kind of. I think I only have you for another couple minutes. So, uh, sort of in kind of closing, you know, this tour is doing really well. Uh, right out the gates. Uh, it looks like from the numbers I was kind of seeing on everything, it's probably going to be 
probably a 90% at least sold out across yep. the entire tour. Then you guys start the Falling in Reverse tour, like this package gets picked up and put into that. You know, it seems like, this. I was kind of hinting at this earlier, that the success kind of has just been really streamlined and going. In today's age where so many fans are fickle in their attention span, yes. how is it for you to kind of, how important is it to get on really, really big package tours like this and, and doing, having the numbers prove that they're, that there's something there for you guys as, as fans from the, the business perspective, I guess. It's everything because how this band continues is by touring, retaining new fans, keeping the old fans interested and wanting to come out. That's what fuels everything. So to be on this tour and having it sell well is going to help us being on the next tour and being in front of more new faces and that selling well because I'm pretty sure that some of those some of those venues are a, a little bit small for the package that it is. Yeah. It's, it's for falling in reverse. Ice Nine Kills, Us, New Year's Day. And they're like 1,500 cap venues. Like, I'm pretty sure falling in reverse by themselves draws like 1,000 or 12. They sold out the main room and I know that's a... 1800, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so to be on those two tours in a row, coming off of an arena tour and doing well there, uh, it's just going to continue to bump us up higher and higher. And that is what's going to keep everything going and everything moving and allow us to grow and to continue and to reach those higher levels. You know, you had kind of alluded to the fact of when you start writing the next record, with some bands I've seen where they... <laughs> some bands I've seen where they, uh, you know, they just write all the time you know, constantly writing laptops, so on okay. and so forth, it's easy to do. Are you guys already writing for a new record? Did you just kind of keep the momentum rolling from this record and the success of Crazy and so forth? Started last night, actually. Ah? Yeah. What is a genre that you haven't touched on that you maybe would like to on this one? Thrash Polka. What do you think, you the Mr. Drummer, Drummer Boy? Uh, I don't know. Hey, hang on a second. This is what success looks like. Yeah, $20. Per diem. Woo! Personally, for myself, this is Maddie the Drummer, by the way. Um, I would say, like, an alternative kind of pop element. Stuff that you hear in, like, a Magic Dragons or a. It's more rhythmic pilot. Yeah, with, like, a hip hop element to it, which is what we already have with something along there. Kind of a taste of what Grammy's doing, but they do it in a more rock way. Okay. Does seeing what Bring Me has done inspire you really just to kind of go all out? whatever area yeah. you want to. Yeah, we want to experiment. We want to like, we don't want to box ourselves into one certain type. I'll lose my fucking mind if we did that. <laughs> and what, uh, outside of the following in reverse tour I just brought up, what, uh, what does the rest of 2019 have for you guys? Uh, so far we have a few festivals Best in the summer. Uh, and a tour that we can't say. Headline or supporter? That we can't say. Well, I didn't well, actually I say didn't band, know what I just said supporter headline. And a supporter headline that we can't say. Okay. <laughs> Are you mystery everywhere? Huh? Do we have? Yep. Yeah. It's right around the festivals. Remember? No. It's like probably one of those runs where you're with a band that's hitting all the festivals. And well, I'm gonna find out when you find out. Yeah. I have no clue. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for taking the time. And you should probably take your camera and I'll point it over that way. Real quick. For the Insync shirt? No. Yep. But there's, yes, there's a yes, the Insync. Just have a good look at the Insync shirt. So that was my conversation with Lance and Danny of From Ashes to New. Dan couldn't be there, but uh, thanks to the power of our GoPro, 
he actually felt like he was there. There's a video of it. And uh, I do want to preface by saying uh, the audio on that, the audio quality is a little eh. Uh, basically, the file I had of the actual audio, something happened to it. And so the only way to salvage the interview itself was to pull the audio from the video. Uh, so I did the best with what I could. Um, I was able to manipulate the video so you can actually kind of not deal with so much bus noise. So if you would like to go to our YouTube and actually see the conversation without me being in it, um, you can see Danny and Lance uh, answering the questions with microphones in their hands that you won't hear that audio from. There you go. That's beautiful. It was uh, all in wonderful high-definition glory. Oh, was it? No, you know. Is that four K? Yeah. Well, I uh, my my computer monitor only goes to 1080p, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but no, that was that was a fun interview, and I do want again want to preface by saying that uh, I think I said something about it in the interview. I was totally expecting to talk to their uh, founding member and songwriter and all that, Matt, uh, who's also like the rapping vocalist in the band, and he just recently had a, an appendectomy, I believe. And uh, they were on tour, and so he had that surgery, I think, like a week or so before the tour started, and as such was resting. So I knew I was going to be talking to Danny. Um, then basically as I'm walking onto the, the bandwagon, you know, it's like, hey, you're talking to Lance and Danny. So at some point I just basically gave up on trying to ask the questions I had that were more focused around Matt being there. Right. Um, so if there's a little bit of, like – weirdness or whatever um dan kind of said it in one of the last episodes it's just uh, my shitty questions i guess but um oh that's exactly what it is man <laughs> but i just wanted to at least preface and say that you know i, I was kind of throwing a curveball last minute and uh tried to roll with the punches so hopefully it wasn't too bad no not bad at all there's a lot of good information packed into that about 20 minutes yeah and uh i'm interested to see what one of these tours is that they were alluding to um, I did kind of, you know, if you see the video, you'll see Danny tap his nose, uh, when I made the comment at the end about how, is it one of those where there's a, a bunch of festivals and then you see bands start pairing off and doing like one-offs just to kind of keep the tour going and getting to the the festivals. So yeah, interested to see who maybe they team up with and, uh, tour the Midwest and, and, or maybe the full U S and do a full U S run with somebody. That would be cool. They're definitely a band I'd be interested in seeing live. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's basically just a drummer, a guitar player, and two singers. But uh, I gotta say, they move all around that stage, and it's kind of hard to just keep your eye solely focused on one person because everyone, you know, up front anyway, really uh, does a good job of being entertaining and, and keeping the uh, the vibe going to keep you wanting to be interact to interact with the show. Be just like high school all over again. The musical. There you go. Only not. It's uh it's starting to get warm outside. I'm I'm officially in tank tops and shorts, which is pretty much my everyday, regardless of the weather uh, or season, outfit. But uh, today I am drinking one of my wife's. Uh, they have these like called fugu, fugu, fugu. Sure, it's a uh, cut water spirits uh, made in San Diego, California. It is a uh, vodka with carbonated water and lime flavor. So basically, it's a vodka soda uh, in a can. Interesting. We live in the future now. Yeah, absolutely. What a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still drinking my dark, my dark matter porter stuff. I, I got like a 12 pack of it. And I usually only do six packs, and 12 pack lasts me a lot longer than I thought it would. Probably twice as long. Yeah. <laughs> hardy, 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 hardy. I didn't know I was doing a show with a professional comedian. <laughs> yeah. All that aside, though, um, kind of in wrapping up, 
If you would like to keep up with From Ashes to New, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at From Ashes to New. If you would like to keep up with Danny, you can find him at the Danny Case on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like to find Lance, you can find him on Instagram at the Lance Pants and Twitter at Emphatic Lance. Uh, all fun, fun handles. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at metalnexus.net. Find them on Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan, where can people find you? You can find me on the Facebooks at Daniel Terry, and you can find me on the Twitters at Discuss Metal Dan, and you can find me on the other podcasts at discussmetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can simply find us at Brew Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. And hit up that link as well if you would like to be a show sponsor for an episode. We have some really great episodes coming up. And uh, I think we, we might have uh, some, some upcoming show sponsors that will be going to be fun as well. Um, we are still doing the contest giveaway uh, for likes on Facebook. If you go to our Facebook page, again, Brew Speak Pod. We are giving away, in a matter of five more likes as of when we're recording this, for the coffee scrub uh, from our beautiful sponsor, The Bean Bastard, who you can find at TheBeanBastard.com, Facebook and Instagram at TheBeanBastard. Uh, but five more likes, and we will give that away to a random lucky person. Uh, at 575 likes, we're going to give away the uh, coffee candle. And at 600 likes, we're going to give away the Rob Zombie photo book from uh, his one of his tours with Rob Fenn, who was a, a previous guest. And uh, I think we've got some other cool stuff and some other cool sponsors potentially coming on that we can do some giveaways as well and keep that going. So without further ado, for this episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you guys next time.